Hello and welcome back in the trenches. We are live from Phoenix, Arizona with a very special guest. Many of you may know him from TikTok or YouTube. The self-proclaimed transfer portal expert has over 100,000 followers and has become the most reliable transfer portal source out there. Rico knows. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Budge, man. Long time. You know, we've known each other for a while. We've been following each other for a while, so I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you're an OG, Rico. I appreciate the support early on. But before we get into college football, because there are some great games, best slate of the season uh, so far, easily, as week one was a lot of fluff uh, and week zero was only seven games. But uh, what do you got going on? What do you want the people to know before we uh, get get going? Well, you know, for me, I make content all day long, right? Rico knows I'm only on two platforms, YouTube and TikTok. So I make content all day long. I want people to watch the content. Uh, I always tell people I'm not here to debate. I'm here to educate. I don't want to argue with people. I don't I don't like the format that you see on ESPN or anything of that nature. I know what I have. I know what I bring to the table and I know what I have to offer, which is an immense amount of research and data and just case studies and, a, and an articulate way of distributing it and displaying it to the masses. And I hope that they're there to ingest it. I do a live stream every single day, six days a week. On Saturdays, I just watch the games. Leave me alone. But I do work Sunday through Friday. There's nobody working harder. There's nobody grinding more. Uh, having been in the military for 20 years, I'm used to waking up early. I'm used to working long hours. It means nothing to me, so here I am. I'm doing something I love. But every single day at 5 p.m. Eastern, I do a live stream on YouTube. You guys can come watch it and enjoy the show. We talk football like you wouldn't believe. And just to confirm, that's at Rico Knows on both uh, YouTube and TikTok, correct? That's correct. You can search it as one word or two words. Knows, K-N-O-W-S, but R-I-C-O-K-N-O-W-S. You can put it in one word or two words. It doesn't, doesn't matter. You'll find me. All right. There we go. Perfect. Crazy schedule there. And, and we were talking about just before we went live here, you started this in December, I think, was what you ended up realizing. That's pretty crazy. I mean... What do you have to credit to blowing up that fast? So first and foremost, if everybody always asks me, hey, Rico, how'd you get started? What do you do? Number one, I feel like this has been a long time coming for me, like a lifetime of commitment to obtaining sports information, obviously retaining it and then applying it. I used to be a sports journalist. I used to be a sports writer, joined the military for 20 years. But those 20 years, I was focused on sports. I studied everything. I retain it all. I've never missed a March Madness, an NFL draft. You know, I, everything that matters to me, I've been about it. But I'm passionate about it. And, and when I started my TikTok, I initially started as like giving life advice. I've lived a long life. I know a lot about relationships. And I was making thirst traps. But nobody wants to see a <laughs> four-year-old man dancing with his shirt off. So at some point, right before I went to bed one night, uh, somebody wrote a comment on a um, like Barstool Sports video. They wrote a comment and they said, Coach Prime is not an X's and O's coach. He will fail. And I felt some type of way about that. I didn't think they understood the value of the man and what he brings to the table. So instead of arguing with people via text with my Twitter fingers, I went ham. I said, reply, make a video. And I started talking. And I lit into that person, said, you don't know your ass from a hole in the ground, and started explaining who Sean Lewis was, who Coach Prime is how head coaches work, how their coordinators work, how their positions coaches work. And I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I had 350,000 views. Easily my most viewed video. And I said, oh my God. 
And all they all kept writing was, this guy knows ball. He knows what he's talking about. Who is this guy? And it was just the rapid delivery. And I said, let me try that again. And I did it again. And I did it again. So my, my point and that I want to tell everybody is be passionate, be consistent, but it's about the content. And at some point I identified there was a huge gap. And this is kind of ingenious, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody comes recruiting. Everybody covers the NFL. Everybody covers basketball and baseball and all this stuff. Where it, Where's your niche? Where can you separate yourself from the masses? And for me, it was the transfer portal. I looked at the transfer portal. I realized nobody knows it. The recruiting services pretend to know it. And I just started dominating with the transfer portal, doing all the reports, studying all the players. I knew who they were because I'm passionate about it. And that was the niche that kind of catapulted me. And I've had some other ingenious ideas. High school film review. I just, just this week, I got my first kid that I did a film review on with no offers. He's got a visit to La Tech this weekend. So a kid, zero stars, no offers. And La Tech reached out to me and said, hey, who's that kid? Where can we find him? How can we locate him? And I gave them all the pertinent information, and he's taking a trip this weekend. I'm ecstatic that I can use my channel, my platform, to get these guys more publicity, more eyeballs, and you know, even a zero-star kid like that. And that's one of those ingenious ideas. I can't even tell you how many views I have on high school film reviews. It goes through the roof. And I have 1,000 kids. I'm not exaggerating. 1,000 DMs from high school kids waiting for me to review their film. So anytime there's a slow day out there, and there's nothing to talk about, I can just go watch one of those films and and hopefully give them some shine. I love having this platform to be able to do that. It's an exciting time for me. Yeah, and that is making an impact. We will be talking Transfer Portal 100% for sure. Uh, Before that, going to talk about one more thing. Also going to shout out the TikTok live chat. You guys aren't going to be able to hear Rico knows sweet melodic voice unless you hop into the YouTube, which is going to be linked in my bio, or you can just look up at CF Budge. We are live right now. Uh, with Rico knows, uh, just for those that are confused in the chat right now. But uh, this is the way I like to lead off the show with the guest. Uh, best thing you saw this week? It can be football related or not. If there was something else you saw that that made an impact on you. So, not to sound, you know, I'm I'm Rico. I'm pretty consistent. So the best thing I saw this week was every proclamation, every assessment of the transfer portal coming true. Straight up, I've been talking all offseason about these transfer portal classes, my impact rankings that nobody knew about. Like, people are like, what are you making this shit up for? What is this metric you're talking about? And I said, no, guys, listen to me. These teams are going to be so improved next year because of the portal. It felt I felt so vindicated to actually have somebody out there, like, just hate me and think I know I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. And not say you're eating crow, but to come back and go, holy shit, those rankings were accurate. That has been the greatest thing I saw all all week. I just, I can't even begin to tell you. I sat here, I got 26,000 followers this weekend. I was going to say, saw that, that it absolutely blew up a lot of your videos did this weekend. I'm just sitting there just watching. I'm looking at my significant other. She's so beautiful. I'm looking at Kim Jones and I go, I knew I was right, but I didn't know I was this right. So it's been a really good feeling. Uh, yeah, that's the greatest thing I saw so far this weekend for sure. Yeah, I mean, not to ruin the segue because the next we're talking about is Transfer Portal. But I was in San Jose. Uh, I saw Oregon State travel to play the Spartans. That Oregon State offensive line in person, it is a thing of beauty. The only other time I've been able to watch him was when they came to ASU last year. 
but the way those guys pave over the defense is is unbelievable especially considering a de- none of those guys none of those guys are blue chip recruits none of those guys are are guys that are you know blowing up the national media but you saw a lot of them were preseason all americans and preseason all conference and it, to me it's insane that a school such as oregon state has been able to put in a system that's that's g- produced that kind of offensive line play it's frustrating to me that people didn't watch them in the bowl game against florida because if you watch them in the bowl game against florida you realize this is a like perennial power that no one's going to talk about because of their location because their little brother in the state but their players and their coaching staff i haven't seen someone do more with less outside of k-state right so like they're developing right jonathan smith is amazing i love how dominant oregon state is that's a dark horse like you wouldn't believe and i hate calling them a dark horse because they should get respect yeah i mean i agree and that, that might be partially because i grew up an oregon state fan but uh i i don't want you to say you didn't know that i no. see I used to be very public about that, but um, people would instantly turn that on me. Like, I'm pretty low on Washington this year, and every time I'd say that, people would be like, oh, that's because you're an Oregon State fan. And I'd say, okay, I'm done with that. So I pretend I'm a Texas fan, and I pretend I – there's another team I pretend I'm a fan of sometimes. But uh, I do I do like Texas, for the record. But uh, I, something for Oregon State that I think is underrated is that offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, Lindgren and Trent, or Trent Bray, I believe, is the defensive coordinator – those guys are so, so underrated. And one of the things I'm most grateful for as an Oregon State fan is that our quarterback play was so terrible last year that it made Brian Lindgren not look great. And that means we get to keep him for another year, which I think could make this year especially special. Right. You know, offense and defensive coordinators at the Power Five get hired to be head coaches, period. As soon as they're successful, they go get another opportunity. So having them and the continuity is real. But hey, Bugs. I did watch an old video of yours. Are you ready? I'm, I'm you, ready. You predicted DJ wasn't going to be the starting quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did. So that was a little bit, that was a little experimental. I'm not going to lie. But uh, for me, that take in particular, which a little questionable, and I've had a few questionable takes over the offseason, but I, I'm still new into the digesting data, digesting information, uh, learning how to break down film, learning how to break down and have observations and takeaways. For me, what that was, was, I I don't know, I I really thought that it was interesting that Jonathan Smith had elected to pick Golbranson as the guy, even when Chance Nolan got more healthy, and even when uh, Jebbia was there and and maybe he wasn't what he used to be because of his ankle injury. I just found that very interesting despite how poorly it appeared he played at times. Uh, I thought that Golbranson's receiver play wasn't good. Yes, they had a dominant run game. There were moments Golbranson looked like a complete idiot, but there was also moments where he, he had some, some decent throws and was making decent plays. So I, I think I parlayed that with a little bit of DJ doubt because I, I was kind of one of the biggest DJ haters when he was at Clemson. So that was a little outlandish, a little out there, but it was something that I thought I had a, a good opinion on just because I was close with the Oregon State program, but it didn't age very well. No, no, no. Here's what happens, okay? And I want to say this, and I'm not here to, like, pat myself on the back or anything like that. Obviously, I don't know if you have any playing experience, coaching experience. I So I played in high school. I didn't play any collegiate stuff, though. Right, right. So I only played in high school. I only coached when, when I was younger. Okay, I haven't coached at, in the last 20 years. Some of my old players, they come out and they, they join my chat and stuff. They call me coach. These players, I coached them 20 years ago. What I'll tell you, though, 
is that there's a certain perspective, like, like seriously, you have to see it from a certain perspective and you didn't go wrong by overvaluing Bill Branson. Like you went wrong by undervaluing an amazing quarterback, right? DJU is actually a really good quarterback. And the problem is, is he's in an offensive system at Clemson that wasn't conducive to great quarterback play. Hmm. And he was going through a really personal issue. Okay. You didn't know this. Did not know that. Yeah. His mother was cheating on his father. And so there was a problem there and internally. He would get out of practice, get out of school, and he would be going through these things. And that's why he struggled like he did. I still think he's an elite-level quarterback, okay? And he's going to play out of his mind at Oregon State. But when you miss on a, when you miss on a prediction, it's because of fandom. It's because you have favoritism or fandom of a particular player or a system or a coach, right? you got to somehow, like – Keep that intact, keep it in check, and call it like you see it. But you just got to see more. And you'll be more accurate the more you see. I think you're very analytical. I think you're a smart guy. You just got to see more. That's all it takes. Yeah. Do this hey. for four or five years, and you will be sharp as shit. Hey, that's exactly the type of stuff uh, I've been I've been thinking about as well. You know, that will come as, as I get more reps in, essentially. Um, but in the context of, of that pick and all that stuff, uh, I can't really remember what I was gonna say here. Something. Along, oh yeah, this is the kind of insider info that that only you can provide. See, I had no way of knowing that there was the the stuff, the personal stuff DJ was dealing with. But yeah. I think for for me, part of it actually too was I was uh, almost hedging my Oregon State stuff, just almost banking on. Okay, there's no way this is too good to be true. We couldn't have got a five star. Like he's gonna be trash. Almost hedging that from a personal fan bias, which I've known to do sometimes. Occasionally, uh, and I don't do this anymore because I've got to be reliable on my locks now that people actually bet on them. But my a lot of the stuff I used to do, I would just hedge. I would like I'd do a depression bet where you'd bet against. I just bet against the beeves or I'd bet against a team I really liked. So there's something. It's a it's a um, it's called uh, resiliency. Okay, so resiliency. When you when you think something goes wrong, let's say your girlfriend calls you, and she says okay. we need we need to talk, and she says we need to talk. I'm coming over, and she hangs up. Okay, red flag right there. Red flag right there. Well, the first thing you should do in in the world of resiliency is immediately think the worst thing possible. She caught me cheating. She found an old email. She found an old text. I did something wrong. I forgot to do this. Whatever it is, the worst thing possible. And then you need to think the greatest thing possible. She's coming over. She won, She hit the lottery. She wants to split it with me. She's ready to get married. She, there's no one else for her. Whatever it is, right? So you think the worst. She's pregnant. You think the greatest. Everything's okay. And the reality is probably somewhere in between, right? So if you it's attack true. every life-altering situation like that, I teach this to soldiers in the military all the time. When you come across an issue, I want you, in, so you don't catastrophize, so you don't go down the spiral of these poor, horrible decisions and all this stuff, I want you to think of the absolute worst thing it could be. The absolute worst. I'm losing my job. I, I'm going to be bankrupt. I'm going to be homeless. I'm winning the lottery. It's going to be somewhere in between. And you need to like check yourself like that. So with you, with your predictions, let, let me tell you, you picked Clemson. How I did. Were you feeling? How were you feeling watching that game? Uh, you know, it, it was a thing for me where I obviously – I was feeling fine. After like the first half, I was like, you know what? New offensive coordinator, Klubnik still, you know, maybe a little shaky on the road, night game. Duke's a great team. I had Duke winning eight or nine games in the regular season. Sure. I knew that they, you know, Riley Leonard's a beast, Mike Elko. 
of course, everybody parades around and acts like, oh, wow, look at these guys we've discovered. But we've known about them from yeah. since last year when they won nine games, which most people probably didn't even know that. A lot of people probably go to Wikipedia and have just seen that. Um, for me, the Clemson pick, and this is something that I think is another thing that I'll pick up as I go. But for me, the yeah. Clemson pick, I didn't want to be pick one of the top top dogs. Just, just based off a of principle, I didn't want to pick Georgia to three-peat. I didn't want to pick Ohio State or Bama or Michigan because those are the top four odds-on favorites. And I, I wanted to look outside of that uh, at some other teams. And what was really attractive to me about Clemson was a lot of their continuity on the defensive side of the ball from a championship-level defense. They, they had a down year last year, and they won every ACC game. They had Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter, R.J. Mixon. They had so many guys in the defensive side of the ball that I really liked. And then I looked and said the offense is is the reason they came up short on a lot of their goals last season. And with their offense, yes, there were questions about weapons at receiver, but I knew that they had Will Shipley and Phil Moffa. I knew they had Cade Klubnick, who I thought, and I still do think, he has a lead upside as a former five-star and, what was he, the number one quarterback or number two maybe um, a year ago or two years ago. And Garrett Riley. I really thought Garrett Riley was one of the key cogs in the wheel that made TCU spin last year. Especially when you look at uh, what he did everywhere he went, given it was with Sonny Dykes. So I guess you can take that maybe not as hard as, as I took it with, with Garrett Riley. But for me, I just saw a team and I was like, I'm going to bank a lot in them. And I was aware they didn't use the transfer portal and that could have been an issue. But for me, I just looked at a system that had championship infrastructure recently and I said, I think I can trust that. I can trust that more than I trust Penn State. Also because... Clemson's one hurdle is going to be Florida State in the ACC, I thought at the time, uh, in the form of a team that did really well in the portal. But I thought maybe, maybe, maybe that blue chip, extra little blue chip ratio Clemson has over Florida State, especially because they host the Seminoles. Um, I was making, I've got the, the mag right here. I've got the, the preview mag. When I was making it, final, like final edits before I was publishing it. This was back in like June, I think, start of June. I literally had Florida State beating Clemson and winning the ACC. And then last second, I was like, this is stupid. I'm not doing that. I flipped it, and I said, you know what? We're going to ride with Clemson. We're really going to do this. And, and that's what I went with. And so, obviously, hindsight is 2020. I've got a lot of hindsight merchants in my in my comments section right now that probably were a little scared. But, yeah, it obviously hasn't aged very well. I don't think Clemson's only going to win five games like everyone's making it seem like this year. I don't think they're this year's A&M or anything crazy like that. They'll probably still you know, win eight or so, and or maybe nine. Maybe they can push double digits if, if the offense looks significantly better because it's the ACC, and that's just how it works. But definitely did not age well, and I've already got a new national title pick. So No, 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 no. You don't get to pick a new national title pick. Let's be clear. One loss doesn't take you out of the national title pick. That's true. That's true. They're not out of the eliminator so yet. So I watched your video. They're still on the eliminator wall. One loss, they can still run the table. So you still got to rock with them. You don't get to switch teams. <laughs> Until they're out, I'll, I will let you switch teams if your team is no longer available, no longer in the running. I'll let you switch teams. But in all fairness, and, and I'm being joking, you know, I'm being facetious. I, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> but I'll say this to you, and I, and I want to I ask you a question. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but what is the benefit of guessing the national champion before the season? No, honestly, that's something I thought about too. Um, and in context, I think you're, what you're referring to is like actually posting who you think is going to win the national title in the preseason. The and Exactly. There's not a lot of upside because there are 133 teams at the FBS level and you're more likely to be 
wrong than you are to be right. And it's hard. It's really hard because last season you could have picked Alabama to win your national title, and you might not have been necessarily wrong. But they lost two one-score games in crazy fashion. And so, I mean, I I agree to an extent that making a national title pick preseason is kind of a lose-lose. So it's not that it's a lose-lose. Listen, first and foremost, it's a guess, not a genuine prediction, because you don't even know. Like, Clemson could win the ACC this year and still not go to the playoffs, just like last year, right? Yep. So you're not even predicting. It's absurd to try to predict the winner of it all. I've made 3,000 videos. You never once heard me say this is a playoff team or this is the national championship team. I don't even go I don't even go there. I talk about who's going to win this week, and we will reassess the next week and the next week. And when you take it one week at a time, your batting average will be amazing. You will you will be so much more, theoretically you'll be so much more informed yeah. on your assessments. But when you try to sum up the whole season, if you're trying to sum up the whole season, let me tell you this: that is trying to put the preseason poll to predict the outcome. How yeah, many which, group of five teams are in the preseason poll but end up in the final poll? Right? They don't they so many. So if I'm telling you Wisconsin might win eleven games, I tell you Oklahoma might win eleven games, then why the hell are they ranked in the twenties? If you think they're gonna win eleven games, they should be in your top ten. Yeah. No, I mean that's completely valid. And that's something I dealt with when I was making the magazine um too, and I was formulating my top 25 i was like do i want this top 25 to reflect the preseason or do i want it to reflect the postseason and that was something i went back and forth on i think i i did end up opting towards postseason which was kind of funny because like usc had them at fourth which puts them above bama and ohio state do i think they're better than bama and ohio state not necessarily do i think they're going to make the playoffs over them at the time yes so that 100 percent, i think is something that people deal with but uh, at the end of the day, as you know, Rico, we get paid based on viewership, and something that gets a lot of viewership is is okay. predictions versus you know the yeah. people like that kind of stuff. I feel you, man. I feel you. Next time, uh, you you are you familiar with call call to action CTAs? Uh, okay. I don't know. It's a strategy. Okay, uh, there we go. Doing content creation when you end your video and you say, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, in the I comments, gotcha. let me know what you guys think. So. A, call, a CTA would have taken you really far, and you wouldn't have looked like, hey, I got the wrong answer in week one. You know, I just think I think you have so much information and so much knowledge. I love your videos, right? I watch all your videos. I tell you this all the time. They're a great break from – I'm always creating content, and then I'll take a moment, and I look at your videos. And over the last nine months, you went from subjective, playful topics, like, hey, what is this? What is – what is you know, uh, just things where there's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. I love that, and you started segueing towards factual information and providing your assessment or your input on things. And I'm like, "Hold, oh, this kid's stepping up to the plate. Let's see where it's at." And you're gonna you're gonna run into a much harsher uh, reality, which is people are going to, to point out if yeah. you miss, you miss, and and you take it with the you know all all clicks are good clicks. So you take it in stride. I get it, brother. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, it wasn't all bad in week one. I had some pretty good predictions hit in week one. And it, it's funny, despite the Clemson thing disguised a lot of the other things, I think I went like 6-1 and one on my, my national predictions last week uh, and like 5-2 and two against the spread. I'm like 7-3. Oh, th- well, which was the one you made fun of all the fan base? And, uh, you oh, made your- Boston College, man. They oh. were going to be – 
Their it's fans so- were <laughs> they were feral on Twitter this off season. Absolutely I'm feral. Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, and I and uh, that that was fun to bask in that victory for a little bit. But I don't I don't take anything too harshly on the internet, man. There you could post just a plain blank screen, and someone's gonna instantly reply with, "That's the it's stupidest off- thing I've ever seen." How dare you? It's off white. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, let's jump into the transfer portal and talk about that a little bit because two of the biggest, most emphatic wins that you're probably referencing earlier of the uh, feeling uh, vindicated. From, from those results, Colorado goes, beats TCU on the road. Obviously, that wasn't the same team that made the national title game, but it was still a nationally ranked team and a team a lot of people thought would win. They were 20-point favorites. And then Texas State, 27-point underdogs, another transfer portal team, goes on the road and beats Baylor. I mean, what does this say about the transfer portal? And did you see these coming? Which I think the answer is obviously yes. Obviously, it sounds crazy. How the hell did I see all this coming? How did I make these predictions? What I'll tell you, bud, is um, I believe the transfer portal has changed the way recruiting works. Okay, the the traditional develop your roster, keep going, that's not happening anymore. What's happening now is if you miss in recruiting, you cut your dead weight with the transfer portal. You send your kids you don't want to the transfer portal. Georgia sent a defensive back to the transfer portal. Um, his name escapes me right now. It's unfortunate because he's a local kid. He went to a high school like ten minutes down the road, and they sent him to the portal after one year. Okay, this is a good kid, four star. He's at Louisville right now, but Georgia said no. We need to sign twenty five more kids out of high school, so we're going to get rid of our dead weight. And they just started cutting dudes. Now they now the 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 players have reached out to me after spring. They do a spring um, exit meeting. Hmm. They go to the coach. Spring exit meeting. Coach says, "Hey, you're not a part of our plan moving forward." There's a way that coaches. There's an NCAA rule. I made a video on this where they can just put you on scholarship, academic scholarship, let you finish out your degree, but you can't play football anymore. Or you have to transfer. So 10 guys at USC did this, and they stayed and finished their degree because they wanted a USC degree. More power to them. But their football careers are over. Lincoln Riley technically didn't pull their scholarship for academic reasons. He just didn't renew it. When you start seeing these coaches utilize the transfer portal to get rid of their dead weight, they're using the transfer portal. So Clemson uses the transfer portal. It's just they're not bringing in transfers. They're getting rid of their misses, and they're able to get more high school kids. So they're getting full recruiting classes, but that's what they're doing. So I started studying the transfer portal and looking at the different ways they're doing it. But, dude, the biggest transfer portal win this weekend was Florida State. This Mm. is Florida State. Florida State is so relevant and so good because of transfers. Jared Verse, right? Uh, Jordan, their, their quarterback, um, wide receivers, both of them, two tight ends, right? The kid from Shorter, Kyle Murlock, and, and Jaheim Bell. Uh, three offensive linemen. Last year, Jamie Robinson. Like, the whole damn team is transfers. That's the biggest success story. Mike Norvell putting them on the map. Same thing that happened at Tennessee last year. Same thing that's happening with Washington and Michael Penix Jr. and Jeremy Bernard showing up for Michigan State. Like, people keep thinking – the transfer portal is Colorado, Texas State, right? Oh, Rico, you called these guys in the bottom. How about the mother, How about the guys on top? Because they're using the transfer portal too. It's a, it's amazing. I love it. It's it's true, and it's great for the sport, man. I mean, the amount of quarterbacks and the amount of big names that are able to find a spot, and not even just big names. You're like you're talking about the smaller names, the guys who just get cut. Having an opportunity to go help another school, I think it's also lend itself to the parity in college football. Luke Altmaier. 
just left Ole Miss. Couldn't see the field at Ole Miss. Just started a game for Illinois and won it for him. You know, Dirk, T.J. Finley, couldn't play at Auburn. One, beats Baylor at the, out of Texas State. There are quarterbacks everywhere. But remember, back in the day, if you went to a school and you didn't make it and you weren't in the two deep, you were pissed off in the locker room and coach was ostracizing you and coach was alienating you and making sure you weren't a part of the team, you were missing team meetings so they could kick you out. You ain't got to do all that shit anymore. You don't have to process a guy. You don't need disgruntled people in your locker room. They can just leave. We'll find more, and you can go find a home where somebody wants you, right? It, it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's been it's been really good, I think, for the sport. Even though there's a lot of other dumb rules, like that stupid uh, running clock rule we've got this year, that's been shortening oh, games, lengthening commercials, exactly. <laughs> but of of all the portal teams that are getting praised right now after week one. Is there a team that you think is really going to shine because maybe because of their portal additions, maybe just because of something else that isn't getting the love necessarily after week one, but you think is going to start getting some love maybe going forward? Hmm. I think I think Oregon State's going to get a lot of shine because of DJ Ungulele. Like, I really do. I think Oregon State's going to be competitive in their games, and they're going to be very dominant, physically dominant, right? They're a great coach team. I think Oregon State's going to get shine as the season goes on. But I also feel like Colorado, I know they're getting shine, but Colorado is going to win a bowl game. They're going to be on TV. They're going to be must-see TV. They can score with anybody. They really can. I've told everybody this. They have the best they, – not the best. They have some of the best starting 22 players out there. Like I oh, looked yeah. at their 22 and said, where, where, who, what? And everybody thought I was crazy. And I'm like, no, guys, I've looked at them, compared them to other teams. And they're legit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Colorado and Oregon State. Yeah, I think my, my offseason comparison for this Colorado team as things started to started to come together uh, was the Arizona Wildcats from this last season where you've got really, obviously, I think Shador is a little better than Delora, but you've got a great quarterback. You've got some elite weapons because they had Cowing and Singer, and then on here you've got Hunter and some of the other, Dylan Edwards. Dylan Edwards is such a beast, man. And uh, I, I think that comparison was a little too conservative because that Arizona team last year won five games. This Colorado team, man, it looks like right now they're going to be operating more in the six, seven range, and they're going to have some potential to upset some of those top teams they play. Wait till Alton McCaskill gets, gets healthy. Alton McCaskill, the fourth gets healthy. Uh, Adam Hopkins gets healthy, or at least learns the offense. One of these freshmen in here, he can play both ways. If Cremonica McLean can make the two deep, but I really feel like, there's a kid at uh, Arizona. His name's Luke. Rayshon Luke or something like that. He's, he's Dylan Edwards-esque. He's so fast. But he's like second or third string running back. He's a little guy. Well, he's a blazing fast guy. And they they have home run threats at Arizona. But for me, I love what Colorado's doing. I, I just thought of the team that's not getting any shine but does deserve it. And it's going to be Louisville. It's going to be Louisville. Yes. yes. Louisville, they got a really easy schedule in the ACC. Um, I believe if they can get themselves under control and actually win their game, they got a chance to win 9 to 11 games. Yes, why not? They avoid Clemson and Florida State this year. I'm just letting you know they might be in the ACC championship ACC championship game. Yeah, they lose it cuz I think Florida State is the best team in the country physically. I don't think that they I didn't put them ahead of USC cuz I really feel like USC I watched their second game against Nevada. You guys don't understand how good they are. Like yes. their bench warmers there are bench with the guys who can't play for them. Gary Bryant is at Oregon right now, just got seven receptions, 100 yards, 
and two touchdowns for Oregon. He couldn't even see the field at USC. Couldn't see the field at USC. It's amazing. Relique Brown is not playing, and Relique Brown is Reggie Bush 2.0, and he's not playing. He's literally third string. It's nuts. Yeah, Zachariah Branch is one of those guys that came in, and it's just an absolute freak on the USC team. Uh, USC is – I don't understand – yeah, I mean, that's you can throw that kind of phrase out. I'm not going to go that far yet. I still got to recover from the Clemson take. But USC, I don't understand how people spun the narrative last year. And obviously, it's probably not people you should even be having conversations of college football with. But people trying to say their season was a disappointment year one. I mean, a whole nother year in Southern Cal with Lincoln Riley. It, the, what he's done with his roster, it's pretty unbelievable. So not only did they dominate in recruiting and the transfer portal, they are also a product of the transfer portal, in case nobody remembers. They won yep. Heisman University, uh, losing in the conference championship game due to an injury, losing your bowl game in the last 40 seconds, and your quarterback had zero yards rushing. Go back and look at the box score. Caleb Williams did not run for any yards in that bowl game against Tulane. That man could run for 100 yards if he needs to. The man's a dual-threat quarterback. So he was injured. It was a disappointment to see them lose at the last second against Tulane. But I am convinced that they're just going to outscore teams. I'm serious. They're going to yeah. put up 50 points. I mean, you look at the history of Lincoln Riley's career. It's People say that's the biggest knock on USC. They don't have a defense. Their defense is bad. Their defense is like, okay, guess what? Their defense can literally be bad, like genuinely bad this year, which I don't think it will be genuinely bad. And they can still make the playoff. He did it multiple times at Oklahoma. Sure. So yeah. that that's the thing. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Mayfield. Caleb Williams is better than Baker Mayfield. 100% too. Uh, for those of you in the live on TikTok, remember you're not going to be able to hear Rico unless you are on the YouTube at CF Budge. Don't forget to follow at CF Budge on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and follow In the Trenches with Tyler Budge on Spotify where you can hear this whole recording if you've been popping in and out on the YouTube or on the TikTok and you haven't caught the whole thing. Uh, big shout out to Rico. Don't forget to follow him at Rico Knows on YouTube and TikTok. We're going to move forward to make some actual predictions here from the week two slate. And we're going to start with a game. Uh, number 10 Notre Dame, who hasn't played a team with a pulse yet, traveling to play NC State. Rico, who's a player to watch and what's kind of your take on this game? So, a player to watch is um, Jack Kaiser. Jack Kaiser's a linebacker for Notre Dame. He leads them in tackles. Okay, I think he's got to spy this kid Armstrong, Brandon Armstrong from NC State. Armstrong, he almost rushed for 100 yards the first time. I don't like the kid. I haven't told you guys this. This is real. This is just being real on real. Armstrong's uncle was my high school quarterback, okay? Uh, <laughs> we, we all played together. His dad or his other uncle was my, was my high school coach. I hate this family. I got real beef with the Armstrongs. Um, I don't like him. So to see this kid, he looks like his own uncle. He looks like him. It drives me crazy when I see his face. I want to just minimize him. I'll never root for NC State. So, yeah, Jack Kaiser, the leading linebacker for Notre Dame, the leading tackler. I just need – I think he needs to stop this kid from running, and they'll be just fine. We've got some personal beef factored into the the take here. That's, that's unique. We haven't had that yet. Uh, for me, it's going to be Aiden White and Shaheem Battle and this entire secondary – for NC State. 
you've got to stop Hartman from cooking you guys because the moment Hartman gets it going with the running game that this Notre Dame team has, uh, it's going to get ugly real quick if you let them do that. And it is so scary watching this Irish team because they are not two-dimensional this year. They have that downfield passing attack from Hartman. And my favorite thing to watch has been people pretending they discovered Hartman this year because no one watches Wake Forest football or no one did last year. It's like the guy was a 4,000, maybe even 5,000-yard passer last year. Um, and even the year before that, he's been great. Um, I remember when Sam Howell was the uh, was still at North Carolina. I remember the joke with me and my buddies was Sam Hartman was the best Sam H in North Carolina. And it turns out that aged pretty well. Although Howell, I think, is kind of cooking right now at the commies. Howell's but really uh, good. Don't do that. Yeah, he's, he's still good either way. But uh, a lot of good Sam H's in that state. Rico, who's your pick in this game? Obviously Notre Dame. And to be clear, Sam Howell or, yeah, Sam Hartman has had like 13,000 career passing yards. Like, he's this is not a new quarterback. Nobody's discovering him. He's been around forever. But, yeah, Notre Dame's going to win this game. Yeah, I'm rocking with you. Picking the favorites. Notre Dame, really like them. And big-time spoiler team, they play three, well, maybe two now teams that are legitimate playoff threats in USC, Ohio State, and Clemson. Next game here, we've got number 12 Utah traveling to play Baylor, the Bears in Waco, uh, fresh off of a loss to Texas State. Notre Dame. Did I say Notre Dame a second time? They play Ohio State, USC, Clemson. Yep, this season. And and they play Duke. That's true. That's true. And And NC State as well. Well, that's the one this week. I told all my listeners about two months ago, I said Notre Dame's going to lose four games in a row. You think so? Notre Dame's going to lose four games in a row. Wow, that's some bulletin board material. at me. All right, well, we'll see. Uh, next game, number 12, Utah at Baylor. Uh, player to watch and thoughts on this one? Um, my thoughts are I told everybody to bet on this game. If, you, if, you, if you're a gambler, go bet on this game. The line was seven this morning. It's now, I think, eight and a half. We moved the line. Rico mm. knows moved the line. Everybody started betting on it. Here's the deal. Uh, how in the hell is it only seven and a half or eight points? Baylor obviously lost their season opener against Texas State. They have a good rushing attack. They have two really good running backs. But when I look at this matchup, the player to watch is Sawyer Robertson. Sawyer Robertson yes. is a transfer from Mississippi State. He'll be the starter because Blake Shapin's hurt. But Sawyer Robertson can't play football. This guy's throwing an interception in every game he's played in. He's only played in two games. But back in high school, I mean, he's 6'4", 220. But back in high school, he was the Texas State Gatorade player of the year. He was, he was great. He's from Lubbock, Texas. I'm not impressed when I watch Sawyer Robertson. I don't think he's ready to even play against Utah's defense. And I think that they should be playing R.J. Martinez, who, who's another transfer from Northern Arizona. He actually threw for 3,500 yards last year, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. R.J. Martinez is great, and they made him third string, and they don't even play him. Wait till Robertson plays terrible, and Martinez comes in. I think if you played FCS and you threw like that at NAU – like, they got to respect you. I just saw Shador Sanders tear it up. Like, you could tear it up at the FBS level. Respect them. Yeah, we've been tearing up that myth in uh, at the FBS level that quarterbacks aren't don't translate for the last couple of years now. Cam Ward last year yep. paving the way. There we go. Knew he was going to get the shout-out. I think not even a particular player, this Baylor offensive line, they allowed three sacks and ten tackles for loss versus Texas State. Yes, Texas State has some dudes obviously, from the portal, but that can't happen. This Utah defensive front is significantly better than that, and they only got 3.4 yards of carry, so there was no pressure being taken off of the quarterback. In comes Sawyer Robertson, who 
uh, he played at the tail end of last game, like you said, didn't look great. Not a lot of faith instilled here. I don't even care if Rising is at 100% or how much he plays. I think we could be seeing Nate Johnson relatively early in this game and frequently. Uh, I also agree with you. I'm going to take the Utes. Yeah, I'm taking the Utes big, but seriously, the the Barrington brothers, Clark Barrington, is a transfer from BYU. He's one, Him and his little brother are the linemen for, for Baylor, and they just suck. Like, they just stunk it up. Yeah, it was a terrible week one performance. Uh, next game, we've got Troy at number 15 ranked Kansas State. Rico, what's your take here? Well, Kamani Vidal leads the country in rushing right now after one week. Kamani Vidal, friend of the channel. I've talked to him many times. He and his father follow the channel. They send me DMs all the time. I, I made a video about him saying he was a hidden gem. I've been watching him since he was in high school. Uh, used to be a running back for Marietta when they won the state title back with Eric Gilbert, yeah, that that guy who just got arrested for breaking. I was going to say, he's trying to steal some vapes, right? <laughs> exactly. So that high school team had an amazing amount of talent. Their starting quarterback was Harrison Bailey. He went and just transferred from UNLV to Tennessee as a walk-on. I'm sorry, Louisville as a walk-on. And Ricky White, who went to Michigan State, transferred to UNLV. So that whole high school team is amazing. I'm still a fan of Kamani Vidal. But going to K-State, you're running into a, a real team. DJ Giddens. To be a zero-star guy, DJ Gins was a zero-star running back coming out of high school, and Treshawn Ward just transferred in from from Florida State. Treshawn Ward's a 600-yard rusher, a beast of a man. Yes. And Giddens said, I don't care, I'm the starter. And Giddens won that job. I love the running backs on this team, on this game. I'm watching both sides of the ball, both running backs. I'm excited for it. I agree. Very excited. We're on the same wavelength here. I put Kamani Vidal as well. He ran for, I think, 248 in the previous game is what it was. Uh, this Troy team this Troy team is not built like your typical group of five contender, right? Their defense is what this team is built around, and they get stops. Last year, they lost 28-10 to Ole Miss, and their defense, while they, they did lose by 18, their defense still looked pretty good against a Lane Kiffin offense. And I look at every aspect of this game, and I feel like if I don't pick Troy— because Troy, and I know, Rico, you're going to give me a hard time about having another preseason pick here, but Troy is my group of five New Year's Six team. And when I look at them, and I look at the fact that Kansas State lost to Tulane at home last year, I say, why not? Why not? Let's go back-to-back -back years of that team doing it against Kansas State. Everything for me is just pointing Troy in my heart and my head, which I think is the key combo there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock with Troy, and, and your man Kamani is probably going to be friends with me now. Fair. I'm not rocking with Troy. Will Howard is him. Will Howard is a problem. And I feel like K-State wins this game. Period. End, end of discussion. Shout out to Troy. I think they're going, they're going to play great. I love Gunner, I, but we're going to be wrong here. One of us is going to be wrong, and yes. I can afford to be wrong. I'm going with K-State. Hey, to be fair, K-State's in my Big 12 title game this year. They're legit. I love that team as well. Returning the oh, entire they... offensive line last year. Are you kidding me? How they get in there if you got them losing to Troy? What's going on, man? What's going on? What do you mean? It's not a conference game. They can still get to the Big 12 I, title game. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> uh, next game, we, you got to call your shots when you can, Rico. Next game, we I got number tw 20 Ole Miss at number 24 Tulane. Player to watch and your breakdown here. Um, so everybody's going to talk about Trey Harris. He just scored four touchdowns in the opening game. I talked about Trey Harris in the offseason. He's a transfer from La Tech. Had 900 yards receiving last year, 10 touchdowns. Transfers to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is getting all these big names at wide receiver. I said, no, the best transfer they got is Trey Harris. He played out, but that's not who I want to watch in this game. I want to see Deshaun Gaddy. He's a transfer from North Texas. 
He's a corner. I want to try to see what he can do with Jaquan Jackson. Jaquan Jackson, two-lane star receiver. When you turn on the tape, stupid fast. Okay? Jaquan Jackson, Lawrence Keys the third. They can't be played with. These are two guys. Jaquan Jackson, Lawrence Keys the third. They got a great quarterback. Obviously, one of the best quarterbacks, I think, in rating. He had over 200 rating last uh, last week. But well, I'm telling you, Jaquan Jackson and Keys the third must see TV for Tulane. They don't have Tajay Spears anymore. They don't have this this amazing running back. They got two amazing wide receivers. Watch Tulane do their thing. I'm excited. Yeah, key player to watch on the secondary. Let's go to the other side of the ball, though. I like Lance Robinson in the secondary from Tulane. He's a guy who has some key plays in the last couple big games they played. He had a key interception late against South Alabama last week, and he had a critical sack versus USC last year. And when I'm looking at this game, in order for Tulane to pull an upset, they're going to need to be making those kinds of plays throughout the game. So I'm keeping an eye on Lance Robinson and honestly the entire secondary because I think that's going to be one of the keys, especially at home, get that crowd up and rowdy. So I want to tell you, it's not Lance Robinson. There's another corner on Tulane. I just went to go look it up. I'm forgetting his name, but he's opposite of Lance. And um, mm-hmm. so there's a guy named Jaden. Jaden was the star corner for Tulane. And Jaden got hurt. He got injured, okay? And he went and transferred to Ole Miss. Because so when that's... he got injured, he got injured. This six four six three corner filled in for him and played lights out and was first team all conference. I'm forgetting his name right now. But – he went and started in place of Jaden. So Jaden Kennedy, who was everything, but he tore his ACL. Now he transferred to Ole Miss. I don't think he's ready to play right now. He's still injured. But it was a swap of corners, and there's there's something personal here. So There is. So who's your pick, Rico? My pick is Ole Miss. Ole Miss okay. is winning this game. I am too rocking with the Rebels. Got to roll with the lane train here. I uh, think they'll get the job done. Next game, Jackson. we've got – you said what? Jackson Dart is real. Oh yeah, I mean the I mean it might be something to do with Spencer Sanders' injury because I I've heard that could be an issue. Can you confirm? Is that still something he's dealing with? Yeah, I have told you guys he needs surgery. Mm, that, yeah, but I mean the fact that he won that job out there was also um, Walker Howard in that quarterback room, so definitely something that he won that job. Uh, the next game is number twenty-three Texas A&M traveling to play the Miami Hurricanes at Hard Rock Stadium. Rico, will there be? enough fans to fill the stadium and who's a player to watch and what's your take here uh if it's at miami nobody goes to those games it's too far away uh it's it's terrible um but connor wegman is the truth for AM. this is a, a young man who you know used to play baseball started focusing on football but he's firmly won this job away from um johnson max johnson brad johnson's son you shouldn't have transferred from lsu to come sit the bench at AM. that's a whole nother story but connor wegman looks the truth I like what he's doing. He's got weapons. But um, shout out to Josh DeBerry as well. Obviously, he played amazing week one. Josh DeBerry, the all-conference, second-team all-conference ACC corner, leaving Boston College. Imagine how that feels. You're on the worst team in the world at Boston College. You transfer to A&M. You get a sack, an interception, and lead the team in tackles with 10. I love Josh DeBerry, and I love Connor Wegman. Yeah, I'm all over Wegman as well, and Van Dyke, to be frank. I just think we're in redemption mode for these guys. Wegman, I guess it's not necessarily redemption because he was so young last year and got put into a dumpster fire and expected to just do stuff midseason. For Van Dyke, though, it's total redemption mode, man. To have the type of season he had two years ago and then last year just completely fall apart. There were rumors about, I think it was his throwing arm or 
his shoulder, something like that last season that might have bothered him. It's such a fun game because Miami and AM had such similar seasons last year of high preseason expectations and they fall off. And so, I, I mean, all the, the focus and the narrative of this game, as it often is, is going to be, I think, on these two quarterbacks. And then once it's past the quarterbacks, it's going to be on these two coaches because Jimbo, some people think he's coaching for his job. Don't know if the uh, A&M boosters have enough money yet if it fell apart this year. And then Cristobal, a guy that's trying to beat the uh, – he, he's only good at recruiting allegations. So uh, who's your pick here, Rico? Um, I'm taking A&M. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're superiorly talent, talented compared to Miami. I'm taking A&M, but Miami's secondary is the strength of their team. I think it's going to be rather low scoring. Yeah, I'm going to take Texas A&M as well. I'm a little sussed out by this pick because the ACC has beaten the SEC multiple times this year already, and I know that doesn't really mean much but that trend is is alarming in my brain a little bit. But I agree. I'm rocking with the Aggies. Good to see we agree on another pick there, getting back in a stride. We've got essentially the main event. This one's a night game, number 11, Texas, traveling to play number three, Alabama. Rico, who do you got to watch in this game, and what's your breakdown? Got to watch Milrow, point blank and period, right? Alabama quarterback. You got to watch Milrow. And before the season, I had Texas winning this game, and I can't go there. I got Alabama winning the game. Yeah, it's so hard once you get into the to the actual thick of the season making a pick this ballsy, I guess is the only word I can think of. Player to watch, um, I'd say I'd say Quinn and I'd say Donnie Mitchell and I'd say uh, Isaiah Nayer, can he come and make an impact? Is he fully recovered from that from that knee injury? We only saw him a little bit last week. And then obviously Xavier Worthy, he's going to be getting a lot of attention uh, as well from the receivers like can those receivers make a difference because Quinn Ewers and you probably already know this he disappeared in some critical games last year and they had to rely so heavily on Bijan that it it was brutal they had that game versus uh, Oklahoma State I think it was last year where Quinn was just hucking balls like 20 yards over receivers heads so we can't see that Quinn Ewers in this game I think the winner of this game this is a hot take for you I think the winner of this game I don't want to say is going to the playoffs but I'd say the path is very clear for the winner of this game to go to the playoffs, especially for Texas with the TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech losses. That Big 12 looks a lot more open now, and Texas was already the favorite. Pressure is mounting on them. I, I, I think I'm going to take Alabama. I really wanted to pick Texas. My whole heart All wanted to. Taking Alabama. <laughs> taking Alabama. I got to rock at the tide uh, for that one. I already had my Troy pick. I had my fun earlier in this show but uh toss this one in a little late but i think it's critical to talk about because we've already talked about them so much and the ticket prices and the mainstream has picked it up everybody's talking about it nebraska at colorado who's a player to watch uh colorado watch jimmy horn jr he's a beast smooth as hell i'll, I'll just go like that good time okay dylan edwards Dylan Edwards is a guy that was not on my radar, and I love him. I think you can already tell I love him based on – he wasn't on my radar because with Colorado, I feel like – I probably mentioned him. I think his name shows up in the mag. No. He's a guy no. you look at, but there's so many other players to look at on this no. roster that no. pretty no, little – But do you, do you follow well-off media? Nope. Exactly. Well-off media, that's Deion Sanders Jr., his, his channel on YouTube. Okay. Well, off media shows you clips of practice at Colorado. When you watch Colorado at practice, one player 
is faster than everyone. One player breaks for a touchdown every four or five plays. There's nothing they can do about it. He just goes. And it's Dylan Edwards from the jump, the best player. Yeah, it's and I mean, I've, I've got to admit that I didn't really, he was not on my radar going into that game. And I remember he had already made several big plays at that point, but there was that sideline pass on like the wheel route where yeah, yeah. multiple defenders had an angle. And Gone. unlike I've ever seen, Edwards just went, nope, sideline touchdown. And it was just like literally mind-blowing speed by that so man. He, so ran a four three eight forty. him and Jimmy Horn Jr. at practice, ran a four three eight forty. They're the two fastest guys on the team. But Edwards is faster than anybody the first 20 meters. His acceleration is 10. Like, his acceleration is on a 100. It's amazing. Yeah, 100%. So definitely watch him in this game. I like Colorado in a close one. I think the home field advantage is going to play a big role here. That place is going to be rocking, and I don't think you can trust uh, Jeff Sims in a close game, especially with that performance he just turned in. Colorado by 20. There we go. You heard it here first. Vegas is still not knowing what they're doing with – what is that, a three-point spread, I think? Colorado by 20. All right, there it is. So – Last pick here. Uh, this is the last dance tour game. Uh, Rico, you may have picked this up a little bit, but I go to a game every week, or I'm trying to at the very least. Uh, last dance tour game this week is going to be number 13, Oregon at Texas Tech. Very similar vibes to the Utah-Baylor game here. A Big 12 team that's kind of reeling and a ranked Pac-12 team. Uh, who's a player to watch here, and what's your take here? Uh, you know, I've loved Dre McCray all offseason. It's the only guy I want to talk about from Texas Tech. Unfortunately, one reception in the first game, they didn't get him the ball enough. Uh, I want you to see Gary Bryant Jr., USC's finest. Uh, receiver just transferred in, made his way into the two deep, and they're utilizing the hell out of him. Seven receptions, two touchdowns, 100 yards. Gary Bryant Jr., you know, in high school, he played at Corona Centennial along with a guy named Corey Foreman who's now since – he's still at USC. He just doesn't play. Former former the, number one overall recruit, yeah, right? Overall recruit. So Corey Foreman, Gary Bryant Jr., and they had another guy. He transferred to Fresno State. But all three of them went to USC – None of them worked out for USC, and they were 10th in the nation. They're public school. It's really hard for a public high school to get ranked nationally, and Corona Centennial was everything. They're still a great team till this day, but Gary Bryant Jr., I'm just glad he's actually seeing the field and doing his damn thing, so shout-out to him. Uh, shout-out to Rand Bradley, the receiver for Texas Tech. Uh, yeah, guy yeah. had my eyes on this offseason. He did really good late in that game versus Wyoming as well. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't get back into it. I feel just as good about this Texas Tech team after that, I mean, not just as good, but I, it's the same Texas Tech team. I, you know that night game against a Mountain West opponent in week one is going to be tough. Uh, the entire Oregon defensive front is another headliner there. You've got the transfer Jordan Birch, obviously, but you have a lot of existing guys there that were already building up. It, it, there, this is an SEC defensive front on the Ducks, and it's, I think, the best one out West or arguably the best one out West. So I think that's going to be really tough for the Red Raiders to overcome. But Rico, who you got here? I got Oregon, and I think it's going to be a shootout. I I think I wrote down Oregon, but I, I'm going to flip. I'm going to go Texas Tech uh, for the vibes. I just got invited to a, a frat tailgate at, at uh, in Lubbock, and I think it'll be a lot easier to attend that if I pick Texas Tech, and I've got that on the old graphic. So I'm going to rock with the Red Raiders. Let's wreck them. Uh, pretty high in the Ducks, too, this year. But honestly, I think you gotta you got to take it when you can. And I don't want only one upset pick. Let's go with another one. I got the or got the Red Raiders. You got it, brother. Good luck.
Yep. All right. Well, we'll see. We only disagreed on two picks there, I think. So uh, could it could age pretty well if we all get get the right ones. Maybe split one of those two and only miss one each. But uh, it's it's you know you can talk about the main events and then you can talk about the big games where one team is heavily favored. But I don't like to just talk about that and say, oh yeah, USC is just going to splatter Stanford. That's why I have the upset alert meter, which operates on a scale from no chance, shot in the dark, puncher's chance, upset alert, and it's happening. Call your shot. So we've got five games here for the upset alert meter. We're going to start with Stanford at number six, USC. What's your take here? No chance. I'm 100% with you. Actually, I'm 80% with you. I'm going to go shot in the dark only because of Stanford disease. Stanford, a couple years ago, had no shot against like the number three Oregon team that had dispatched Ohio State earlier that year. Bunch of weird stuff happened. They got a win. They just it's it's a disease. Stanford football is no, a disease. They have it, a weird win. It was David Shaw, and he's not there anymore. Don't do that's this. true. That's true. Yeah, you can't hate on uh, Troy Taylor. He's turning in a a decent recruiting oh, class Troy right Taylor. now. I love Don't yeah. do that. I love Taylor. Okay, well that's good. I'm just making sure you're not saying something that you're not saying. But uh, we'll get to the next game. App State at number 17, North Carolina. Where does it rank on the upset meter? No chance. App State's only strength is Nate Noel. He's a hell of a running back, by the way. But uh, you can't run on this team. They just held South Carolina to negative two rushing yards. They have a real defensive front. If you think App State's going to beat them and South Carolina couldn't, no, not happening. I think I'm a little more. I think I'm a little more optimistic than you, Rico. I also put this one at shot in the dark. I said, look at the look at the way this game played out last year. App State's a team no. that I think some people could have been a year early on from last season. So I, I'm putting I'm putting shot in the dark, Rico. This these could age really bad if you just go no chance on all these. I'm not going. To, you're asking me questions. I just answered. No, I got you. Next up, we've got SMU at number 18, Oklahoma. It was no chance. Shot in the dark. Puncher's chance. Yep, and then upset alert, it's happening. Puncher's chance. Okay, puncher's chance. Why are you saying puncher's chance now? Now you got to explain. All right, puncher's chance. SMU had 31 points at the half this week. They kind of shut it down because they didn't want to show anything else on film. But SMU is one of those teams in my top 10 in the transfer portal. They rebuilt their team with everybody. They have a great defensive coordinator in Scott Simons. He's the defensive coordinator that was at Liberty moving over. He brought Ahmed Walker with him. He brought Chris Megason, Ghost. And he brought just so many great players in the transfer portal. Shout out to Cam Robertson, also moving over from North Texas. I really like SMU. I think they're going to make waves in the group of five. It's a lot to say that they're going to beat Oklahoma. But I don't know, man. Like, I feel like SMU can play football with Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, <laughs> they played the worst team in America. So we don't really know they did. how good they are. They did. I don't know why that line was 35. It was a horrible line. But I, I'm going to go I'm gonna go shot in the dark here. I'm in, I'm in a similar territory with you kind of baited you for that one because I know SMU is another one of those portal teams. They're the best group of five portal teams. So, or, or maybe not according to your rankings, actually, but according to the some of the other guys, they're the best. But uh, uh, next up, we have 19 Wisconsin traveling to play Washington State. So who's the, who's the underdog? Washington State? Washington State's the underdog. Upset alert. Upset alert for sure. That's very possible. You got Cam Ward just through for 450 yards. Like, he can go out there and light you up. Mess around – Fafo, right? Fuck around and find out. Fafo. Yes. I'm serious. State's nice. I, I'm not saying they're doing it, but upset alert is there. I'm with you 100%. Upset alert. This team beat Wisconsin last year as a big underdog on the road, and you've got the same squad. Yes, they lost some talented linebackers this offseason in the transfer portal, but 
this is a, a defense that always plays better than they look on paper, especially under Dickert in that first year. And then offensively, you're right. They've got a star. They've just got to get things figured out. I was really high on Wisconsin for a good part of this offseason. But I kind of, as the offseason went on, I started to ease off of it a little bit because I feel like you, we're asking a lot of Luke Fickle in year one at Wisconsin. Even though they made some great portal additions, I feel like it, when I'm looking at that Big Ten West, even though it is a wide-open division, I trust Brett Bielema's squad more than I trust Wisconsin. Oh, that's gross. You, you don't, you're not rocking with Brett Bielema. No, not at all. Is that is that's that's Illinois, right? That's Illinois. Last year, I last year I was on them to win what seven games. They ended up winning eight. I so, don't know what team he coaches. Of course, it's Illinois. Let me tell you something about Illinois. They lost. They lost four games last year. They shouldn't have lost. They had amazing talents. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, Rico, you can't do that to me. You can't. You can't fake me out like that. Oh, uh, bro. I'm sorry. I just. I just don't like Brett. He got his money. He got his big check. But he lost his defensive coordinator in Ryan Walters. He lost his linebacker coach. He lost a lot of defensive cor- uh, continuity, and I just don't see it, man. I just don't see how good they are. But anyways, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. <laughs> All right, we'll get to the last one here. We got Iowa at Iowa State. Uh, the Hawkeyes are the favorites here. It's happening. It's happening. Iowa State is going to score points that Iowa could never dream of. Okay? Fire Brian Ferris. Like It's happening, bro. Iowa State is going to rebound from their gambling mishaps. It's happening. Now, don't put your money where your mouth is, but I'm being real. Like, if there's any of these upsets have a chance, that one's the only one I can think of. Rico, we started off rough in this segment, but we both got on the same page for the end. It's happening. I'm with you. Why are we selling on Matt Campbell and the the Cyclones right now? They're taking the Cyhawk trophy this year, especially because they're hosting this game. And I, I don't... I don't care about the gambling. It's a great segue, too, because that's the next segment is our betting locks. Uh, Rico, I asked you I asked you for two locks. Uh, are there two locks? Or maybe not even locks. Let's not use that word because, you know, betting can be suspicious. I'll, I'll use locks. I'll okay. Use locks. Well, so then there we go. Lo- yeah, my two locks. Utah, I don't know what the line is now, but when I, when I looked it up, it was not, minus seven and a half over Baylor. This, so that's a lock for me. The other lock is going to be Washington, 34-and-a-half over Tulsa. Uh, they're going to rip Tulsa to shreds, and Tulsa doesn't even know who's going to be their starting quarterback. Tulsa's got – it's bare as hell, and Washington's going to score a ton of points. So give me Washington over Tulsa, 34-and-a-half, and give me Utah to cover that spread over Baylor for sure. There we go. There's been something in the water with those those big spreads and, and those teams just running up the score late. You had the Oregon, the Oklahoma, the yep. Ole Miss, the Syracuse. Like There was a lot of 60, 70-plus points scored. So I think in the context of Washington, that could be a good bet. Uh, Virginia, minus 3.5 versus Purdue. Uh, at Lane Stadium, Purdue got shredded this offseason. Yes, they have Ryan Walters at, as their coach. And Hudson Card's a guy I do like, but it's minus 3.5 for Virginia Tech. And uh, I trust I trust what they did this year. Yeah, I thought I thought you said Virginia, and I was like they're playing JMU. And no, 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 that would have been terrifying. I'm never betting on Virginia this year. I don't trust that team at all, and I don't, I don't think Elliott's gonna take them anywhere. But other game, and you're gonna hate this, Rico. These are two of my betting darlings, two of my, the ones that always hit for me: Kansas and Illinois. I'm gonna take Illinois plus three 
This one has since moved, I think, to where to like two and a half or something. But I got it at three, so I'm taking it at three. I think Illinois plus three versus Kansas could be a really, really good bet because I really think this team is is going to be well this year. And with Altmaier at the helm, I think we're going to see them reach their potential. I really like the resilience they showed against Toledo last week. Still, they could have easily lost that game. It took a last-minute drive for him to hit that, hit that field goal. Some people are going to see that as a weakness. I see that as a strength. I like them in Lawrence uh, against the Jayhawks. To cover. Yeah, dude, struggling with a Mac team, there's nothing strong about you. Hey, don't you can't boil down Toledo to just a Mac team. They got they got some some dudes no, on that team. Uh, struggling with a Mac team, there's nothing strong about you. All right, well we'll see how that one ages. I'm I'm feeling yes, that sir. one for that's a lock actually. So you you can't argue it. But let's get this is the how we like to end uh, the show when we got a guest. It's been great so far, Rico. I appreciate. appreciate uh, you being on, but the last segment here is going to be fact or fiction. Uh, this is your time to shine. I'm going to deliver some statements to you, and you're going to tell me whether they are fact or fiction. So every, everything clear? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Uh, fact or fiction, Colorado is a legit Pac-12 contender. Fiction. Okay, there we go. Just wanted to clarify that. You know, Some people m- maybe might not know where you're going. Uh, fact or fiction, the most annoying thing a follower or commenter can say is, why do you hate fill-in-the-blank team? Fiction. The most the mo- annoying, yeah, the most annoying thing anyone can say to me is, George is good, and I'm an Alabama fan. Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like I, like, I would never say this, but because I'm a fan of this other team, I'm finally going to be honest and tell the truth and be accurate. That shit bugs me, and I'm a so-and-so fan. I am, I am with you actually, 100. That is one of the that is that drives me bonkers because I'm like, what, are, what are you saying? How does that impact your opinion? I don't, I don't get it. It'll be like, yeah, I like this, this, and and I'm a Texas fan. I would never say that. It's like, so you would never be accurate. You'd never tell the truth. What, what are you saying to me? So you're still that. just as wrong. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, fact or fiction, the national champion will come out of the SEC this year? <laughs> fiction. Oh, okay, there we go. Uh, fact or fiction, Hawaii is a dark horse Mountain West contender? Let's go fact. There we go. I like it. I've got uh, my buddy Colt. He was the guest last week. He's a huge Hawaii fan. I know he'll appreciate you saying that. He uh, he always looks for Hawaii coverage, and he doesn't get it frequently. I think I sent um, him your Hawaii transfer portal like recap, and he loved that. He was like, that's so cool, man. Yep. Tell him search hashtag Hawaii, hashtag Rico knows, and he'll find every video I've ever made on, on, on Hawaii. I'll, I'll send him that way. Fact or fiction, transfer portal coverage by the national media is lazy. Oh, fucking fact. <laughs> Factor- until, until, I become, until I become national media, I feel like I am, but until I become national media, it's, it's lazy as hell. Fact. There we go. Fact or fiction, you have a twin brother. That is a fact. There we go. I wanted to clarify that. Some people get confused. I know. I know there's been some. Uh, fact or fiction, two top ten teams will lose in week two. Uh, Texas isn't a top ten team. Texas is eleven, actually. So you're you're banking so on maybe. That's fiction. Yeah. Okay, fiction. We got a fiction there. Uh, fact or fiction? Power five coaches could begin getting fired in year one as a result of what Dion's doing. 
I think that's fiction. I think it's fiction. Okay, if you think that's fiction, you think uh, his his isn't going to affect well. I don't. To that I don't degree. think every coach. Yeah, I don't think every coach has the ability to flip their roster with the transfer portal, right? So you got to have certain yes. metrics. You got to have certain metrics. You got to be charismatic, have an innovative offensive scheme, maybe be near a talent-rich state or location. Um, got to have pro pedigree or put people into the pros. If you don't have these metrics, you can't really flip your roster. Let me give you an example. Indiana and Akron, you can go look this up. I think they've brought in over 30 transfers in the last two years combined. So they mm-hmm. flipped their roster. Between two recruiting classes and 30 transfers total, Indiana and Akron have flipped their rosters. But Tom Allen and Moorhead, Joe Moorhead, these coaches are not as charismatic. They did not hire offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators that can go out and do the job. So they're not having the same level of success. You can duplicate what he's done, but you can't duplicate the end result or the product. And that's that's the problem. So if you start having that level of expectation for every hire and every coach, it's absurd. But look at the young guys. Kenny Dillingham got all the recruits, and he's, and he's winning, and he won. So we'll see what happens. But young guys, charismatic, G.J. Kinney, right? Yes. You have the right structure, the right location, the right everything before you hold them to that standard. So I'm, I'm going to say fiction at this moment. Yeah, for Tom Allen, that could be a that's kind of an interesting case study. A guy that was able to turn in an eight win season at Indiana and then another great season in the COVID year. But as the landscape has shifted, he, he might be one of those guys that's struggling to keep up. Like you said, he's trying to do the portal, but maybe can't do it as well. He lost. He lost Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, although he did, he was injured for that whole year, huh? That was the year he tore his ACL, which is yeah. So. Uh, next one, factor fiction. Clemson still has a shot to make the ACC title game. I'm going to go fiction. Wow, okay. Gonna... I was hoping you would say facts so I could get you on video and saying Clemson was good. <laughs> ah, not a chance, brother. Not a chance. And then we got the last one here. Factor fiction. Duke will win more than eight games. Fact. We got a fact there. Preseason Rico knows top 25 team. That absolutely shined. Rico, I appreciate you coming on the show, uh, being a guest. We went a little over an hour. It's the first time this podcast has gone over an hour, but I wouldn't do it with anyone else. Uh, This is another chance for you to plug anything you got going on and all your stuff. Just, you know, go to YouTube, go to TikTok, search Rico Knows. If you're ever curious if I've made a video on something or my thought process on something, when you go into TikTok, do a search. Hashtag Rico Knows, then hit the space bar. Hashtag whatever topic you're looking for. You can do hashtag USC, hashtag Texas State, hashtag Ball State. I don't give a shit what it is. You might find that I've made 10 videos on that particular school or topic. So, hey, Budge, I appreciate you having me on, brother. I really do. I know we, we have seamless chemistry. We just get along. So I don't mind coming on and, and hanging out with you, dude. I respect everything you're doing. I wish you the best, and I hope you continue You know, great success, brother. Hey, thank you, Rico. Appreciate it. Uh, fantastic having Rico on and all his insight. I appreciate everyone that stuck around in the YouTube live and over there on, on Rico's end. I know he's streaming over there as well. So I appreciate everyone in the chat that was interacting, liking, doing all that stuff. Great show. Uh, really enjoyed the time we had here today. But that is all we have from In the Trenches, live from Phoenix, Arizona, and live from Georgia over there. Uh, and you guys have a good week.